Welcome to Episode 9 of Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today is Part 2 of my conversation with Christopher Veal. And first of all, if you haven't listened to Part 1, I'd suggest listening to it because it will create some context for uh, what happens here in uh, Part 2. And if you haven't, no worries, you'll get the idea pretty darn quick. Just want to mention that this was recorded back in December of 2019, so in, in many ways uh, it could be said that we're living in a different world. This was pre-COVID, etc. And um, the reason I mention that is because some of what Christopher and I speak about at the end of this conversation are bits and pieces that are already in process, uh, including the work he's doing on his book as well as uh, having launched his own podcast, which is entitled The Vulnerable Man. And I'll give you more information about that uh, at the, uh, in the outro to today's episode. A word or two about Christopher. Um, Christopher is the chief Datitude officer at his company, Datitude Coach, and he leverages his unique Datitude in the work that he does with executives and other leaders, uh, he's, a, he's a father of a daughter, which we talk a little bit about here as well. Uh, he's a TED Talk speaker, uh, which also comes into this conversation. Uh, that's where we start. He's a motorcyclist, a music lover, a lifelong learner, and so much more. And in this half of the second half of our conversation, we're going to dig into connection. We're going to dig into how the media has portrayed men uh, the illusion or the uh, of of stoicism, the importance of vulnerability, how it relates to courage. Uh, we're going to dig into curiosity. We're going to dig into the importance of owning uh, one's wounds and the information that can come from that. It's a really rich conversation. And with that, I will step out of the way. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't yet subscribed to Mojo for the Modern Man, please do so. And with that, enjoy my conversation with the incomparable Christopher Veal. Enjoy. What, um, what's your TED talk about? It's about connection, ironically. <laughs> Maybe you should say that. Shocking news. <laughs> wow, news flash. Yeah, really, it's, well, the talk is called Deeper Connection, Better World. And um, honestly, the talk is about vulnerability. Hmm. Um, and I get to it through this, this concept of connection um, because I really feel like, particularly in our world nowadays, there's so much noise competing for our attention that we often lose ourselves in the electronic devices and we don't make enough time for creating the connections with people. Um, even though we have a connection here electronically, like there's also a deeper connection to that too. And uh, so it's really about, I mean, there's three simple things that I talk about, like be real, be open and be curious. And um, it's like, how do we do that so that we can connect and find our way through the challenges that we're facing in this world and recognize again that we collectively can accomplish so much more than any one of us individually. You mentioned the word curiosity and I, I want to come back to vulnerability in a couple of minutes, but you mentioned the word curiosity and um, oftentimes, particularly men, you know, not always, but particularly uh, men, there's a, again, the culture uh, I think trains us, Mm -hmm. uh, to become experts, the culture trains us to, uh, the, how would I say, uh, 
that 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 answers in some ways are better than questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 a problem a problem is a nail. A problem is something to be solved. Uh, it's a nail. You're a hammer with the answers. Go hit it. Yeah. Um, what do you see is uh, what what is the value that you see uh, of curiosity? That's that's a big one. Um, if I if you really had to bottom line it, I think it's you don't have to bottom line. Yeah, it. Well, I know. <laughs> I'm going to, and then I'm going to expand because that's okay. How. Good. <laughs> um, it, it's about just opening up. Um, like when I'm curious, I learn so much more. Um, I learn about other people's perspectives. Um, I often find solutions and opportunities that I hadn't even known were possible besides just that one that I might've had. And believe me, I I can be a problem solver. I spent nine years in the Marine Corps. Like that's all about go get it done. And what I've found is when I get curious, quite often I get much richer results than if I had just gone with, here's what I think the answer is. And sometimes the result is similar to what I thought. Sometimes it's not. And I'm not attached to that either. Like I can go, oh, that's interesting. You know, so what am I taking away from that too? Um, and I think the curiosity, so one of, my, uh, one of my first sergeants when I was in the Marine Corps, he used to say, who loves you more than you? And kind of the motto was like, you got to take care of yourself because no one loves you more than you do. But for me, it, it also was a way to remember to be curious because people love talking about themselves. And so sometimes when you get curious and you listen to what they say, um, you get so much more out of it instead of just being waiting for your turn to talk. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a way I, I love where you're where you're pointing here, um, because curiosity, the way I see curiosity, oftentimes is it's and and of course you and I do a lot. Our work is similar. The work that we do in the world is similar, um, but curiosity is 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 oftentimes the it's it's a, it's an it's an it's an antidote to bias. Curiosity can be an antidote to so many things. And, you know, what do you see curiosity as an antidote for? Honestly, if, if people could be more curious as opposed to focused on getting their point across, I think we would, this sounds rather grandiose and I'm still going to say it, I think we could make a lot of headway in solving a lot of these large problems that we're facing in the world. It, uh, uh, and I'm not going to get into politics, but I'll say like, uh, to me, that seems the, the, and the, absolute pinnacle of the opposite of curiosity because everyone is so staunchly held into my beliefs that they won't even take a moment and be curious to, to hear about what your beliefs are and why you believe them. Um, they just get stuck on your beliefs aren't my beliefs. So you're wrong. Mine are right. Um, and just taking some time to understand because I think people collapse. Well, if I take time to listen to you and understand, that means I agree. And it doesn't, you and I both know that. So curiosity, I think is the way to move towards that. Yeah. Yeah. And w- what do you see happening at the, the, um, this might be a loaded question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't asked it yet. Um, you know, there's something, I think there's something that you're pointing to here and I'll, I'll ask it as a question. You know, what do you see as possible between at the, at the intersection of curiosity and respect? Um, honestly, like I think that's when you get to, you hear somebody and you get to be heard. And it's completely free of um, making something right or wrong, good or bad. Um, It's just seeing and acknowledging and hearing that human across from you as a person, not 
a collection of ideas or beliefs um, or norms or values or whatever, but just seeing them um, like truly. Yeah. Beautiful. The word vulnerability is getting tossed around a lot these days. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think in many ways, thanks to the, to the work of Brene Brown. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so, so say a word or two about uh, how you see vulnerability and what is important about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually going to take a small step back from it because to me, um, that was where, so I chased the Ted talk for several years and that's originally what I was going to be talking about. Um, and it was, it was, I was inspired by Brene. I happened across her Ted talk years ago. Um, but for me in particular, I'm more curious about this idea of vulnerability with men because I think women are miles ahead of us that they're having those conversations and they're more open to it. Um, but for me, one of the biggest things is I remember growing up as a kid, like not having a father figure. So I kind of, I would look at male role models in other areas that I saw. And a lot of the ways that you see men, like you look at the stereotypical in the movie, the action figure, right? Something tragic happens. He wipes away a single tear and then he goes and gets all the bad guys. Um, there's kind or, of that or, mind- or more likely a bead of sweat, right? Or a bead of sweat. You're right. Not even a tear. Not even yeah. a tear. It might've been his sidekick, the, the comic relief that had the, the emotions insensitive that got hurt. And so that's when he wipes a single tear. But a lot of the, the stereotypes were of these guys, these, you know, alpha type males, like nothing bothers me. I don't have feelings. Um, you know, I'd also in the realm of fatherhood, you'd see these inept, he loves his kids, but kind of the bumbling father and Hey, the kids didn't die. So yay, dad. Um, and so I think it really, it really reinforced this idea that like men need to be, I don't want to say emotionless, but when you look at a lot of the examples you see in the media, um, you know, in the movies, things like that, like that's the way it was. And so for me, um, I had to find my way to kind of being able to lean into vulnerability. And I think that's why when you talked about like at the beginning, you said, you know, like that heart shows through. Um, that was a huge compliment to me because I believe that's who I am. And, and part of my work in the world too, is also how do I help men have that conversation? Cause honestly, if you talk to a lot of guys and you say the word vulnerability, that's a dirty word. That's a four letter word. You don't say that in proper company. Um, and so I've realized that that's the key to deeper connection, right? Like being willing to be show, to show up and be seen, let your guard down, um, it's scary as I'll get up. And when you do, I found that other men go, wow, I can relate to that. Right. And it's like their shoulders, you know, relax, like you feel them soften and not that somebody can't be hard and soft at the same time, but it's, it's just amazing when you see people going to step into that space. Yeah. Yeah. And where have you seen that with, um, you know, again, pointing toward your work, where, where have you seen it really, um, show up in your work and maybe even outside of your work. Yeah. I think, I think first and foremost, it shows up when I bring it into the space, when I'm working with men. Um, And it's interesting because some guys are a little hesitant. Like I can tell sometimes when I'm starting to open up a little bit and be vulnerable, like some guys get a little uncomfortable and part of what I trust is that's okay. Like I'm, I may be at a different place than you are. And I'm still going to do it, right? Because I know that 
if I show it to you, that might help you feel a little more comfortable stepping into it too. Uh, so I think that's the first piece. Um, and then it's just, you know, creating a space for it. And once I see men start to be able to tap into that, like it's, it's almost like this Pandora's box opens. Um, and then they start to see this, this domino effect of like how it shows up in other parts of their lives. Um, and it's almost like, like suddenly they get turned up to 11, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it is a, uh, you know, there's this, there's this fascinating paradox here. And, um, and that is that it takes a tremendous amount of courage to let your guard down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to, to, to open up the way you were describing. And, uh, it, 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 it can, oddly enough, it can be a little bit off-putting because, and, 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 you know, feel free to jump in on this. The, my experience of it is, is, um, is uh, that if I, sometimes if I lead the way, um, I see men, not always, and oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, when I lead the way, a man will, a man, another man will move toward me. But sometimes mm -hmm. when I lead the way in terms of openness and vulnerability and, and, and putting my, you know, putting, putting the armor down, uh, another man will take a step back. Not quite sure. You right. Know, is this an okay thing to do? Yeah. Well, I think sometimes what it is, is maybe in the past they might've, you know, as you, like I said, now I love that analogy of like, they maybe start to take off their armor and then something happens and they get wounded. So they're like, Nope, can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so there may be no pun intended. They're gun shy about it. But to what you're saying is one of the things I've learned is, so even when I notice them take that step back, what I don't do is the natural response that most of them do is I also step back. What I do is I may stay where I'm at then for a moment. Right. I don't want to continue to advance because maybe they see that as an attack, but I've, I've also learned patience and trusting that by my holding this space and being in this way still, um, they'll find their way when they're ready and they may not, like they may have to go away, but that's in the back of their mind now, right? And so I've kind of planted that seed and they're like, you know what, maybe I can. Yeah, there's so much I'm hearing in what you're saying here, stillness, <laughs> patience, staying, and uh, you mentioned you mentioned wound, and um, again culturally, I just want to want to lay a little bit of context here. Um, <clears throat> in 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 the cultural training we receive to uh, you know never appear to to not appear weak. Um, there's a way in which the the wounds oftentimes the wounds are the things that connect us, mm -hmm. you know because. I know through the, the, again, through the work that, that, that I've done, particularly a piece of work that I've been doing for years through, uh, through, the, through, through the work of uh, Lucid Living, for example, um, the wounding stories are, are powerful and often set us on a path uh, in the direction of, of you know, who we're, really, who we're really becoming. And um, I'm curious, what do you see as, as the... As, as the role of, of wounding in, in development of the human. Yeah. We're so many ways to go with that too. Um, I think at its core, it, as you say, like we all have them and 
again, like I think as, as men were often taught, like you just kind of push that aside and, you know, march on. Um, but even just acknowledging it and knowing that we all carry them. Um, and so sometimes being able to say like, I see that you're hurt and I'm still here with you. Um, and I've hurt, maybe not in the same way, but it makes us human. Uh, I think that's really a key piece to it because um, that's part of the human experience. Like newsflash, you don't get out of the human race alive. We, we're all going to die. And that might- Who knew? People, right? Somebody's like, what? But <laughs> I think that's, that's really a part of it is like, how do you really powerfully connect and be while you're here? And, and it's not about ignoring or discounting or forgetting what's happened. Um, embracing it because it's part of who you are and also embracing that other people of them. And it's like, so how do I, how do I accept you and be with you with all of your hurts and wounds and also still hold mine? Yeah. And it's yeah. not about fixing. And I think that's where we often go wrong. Cause that oh. said, right. We got to be the hammer and fix it. And this isn't necessarily something that needs to be fixed or that we have to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that is a, that is a, um, Boy, that's a that's such a a big concept, and it's such a large piece of the puzzle. I think that that um, again, the culture doesn't quite get, and that is, you know, let me, you know, it's okay. Please be with me, absolutely, be with me. Can you, to borrow, you know, one of one of your beautiful words, connection. You know, stay here, stay in connection with me. Um, and and let me have this whatever it is that i'm having you know you don't you don't need to try to take it away you don't need to pretty it up in any way shape or form yeah it's a big well, deal i think it's also <clears throat> helping us to be with emotions too right because there's a there's a great documentary called the mask you live in i don't know if you if you've seen it i've not yet seen it yeah okay i would check it out but they talk about how we we essentially enculturate our boys to not be with emotions. And they, they talk to a lot of men that are in prison, but you look at it, you look at little at boys and girls in, you know, early school years, and they're all likely to talk about feelings and emotions and little boys don't have any problem crying. And then they hit this certain age where suddenly it's not cool. And you start to see the language of, you know, man up, don't be a girl, um, that kind of stuff. And it, the message is, don't show emotions because that's not what a man does. And I think we set boys on the wrong path early on saying to be a man, you can't show emotions, which creates a whole other wealth of problems. And I think that's where I'm trying to get to is not necessarily go back to those boys, but how to help men realize we can step past that. And how do we be with that stuff? Cause it's part of who we are. Yeah, there's another. I, I love that you're pointing this out, and and I have read some research on this in terms of the, you know, the the similar paths and then a divergent path that 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 seems to have a much more to do with nurture than than it does with nature or lack of nurture, if you will. The the other piece that that I think is particularly dangerous is that that the language that you mentioned, don't be a girl, because it also plants the seeds of misogyny. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, girl bad man good yes yeah. yeah and and as a and uh of course as the father of uh of a daughter <laughs> yeah say yeah. a few words about about being the father of a daughter um it's 
it's a scary idea and it excites me every day. Um, what I know is I'm going to teach her to be strong. I am teaching her to be strong, um, to take on the world, to be who she is. And um, I know she's going to stumble along the way, but like, I will, I will never let her believe that she is less than just because of her gender. It's not like, like nobody is less than because of who they are. Um, she's going to, she's going to be supported and nurtured and all she wants to do. And, you know, I'm going to, I hope that she finds her way to claiming herself and like being in her power in the world. Cause that's, that's the magic. Um, and you're right. I have this, I mean, she's 10 years old now. So I have all the concerns about teenage girls coming up. Like I, I hear some of the conversations that she and I have, and she starts to talk about how some of these, some of her friends at school are getting to be a little bit cliquish and they're being mean to people. Um, and like, I get proud when she says, you know what, they were picking on somebody the other day. So I told them that wasn't right. And I was like, yes, the wind, Dad, I'm doing good. Um, and I know peer pressure is going to get harder. So it's yeah. Like, um, I'm hopeful and it's a little bit scary as being a parent is sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It is a little scary from time to time. I won't disagree <laughs> with you there. <laughs> so what, what, um, what, what programs or, or projects do you have coming up, uh, particularly in the, um, you know, say, uh, the, the early to mid 2020 here that you want to talk about? Absolutely. One of the biggest things, so somewhere in the not too distant future, there's going to be a book, but uh, it is going to be based off of uh, these interviews that I've been doing with men. I call them the vulnerability interviews because Sweet. what I want to do is um, I want to be able to to make it so that men are comfortable saying that word. Um, right now, it's kind of like a vulnerability and they cover their mouth and they don't want to say it or don't want to say it around other men. Um, and so in particular, uh, I'm interviewing men to talk about kind of their views around vulnerability and in particular vulnerability around other men. So what I would love to say too, is if there's anybody who's interested, um, my ask is 30 minutes of their time. I have about four or five basic questions and we just have a brief conversation, kind of like what we've done. And those interviews are going to make the foundation of what I create the book. Um, but for me, it's part of my work in helping men step into being more open to being vulnerable with other men in their relationships, because when we can do that, that opens the doors to so many other things. Beautiful. So that's the big work right now. Yeah. Beautiful. And how can people get in touch with you? The easiest way would be to email me at, and it's Christopher at datitudecoach.com. And I'll spell it because it's D-A-D-I-T-U-D-E coach.com. Beautiful. Christopher at datitudecoach.com. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. It has been a, a delight speaking with you today. And, and I have to give a shout out, a special shout out to Christopher here, because we started this interview at roughly 5 a.m. his local time. And, um, and coffee the, is a wonderful thing. And the coffee is a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the one who stumbled into the room when... <laughs> So it's been a delight speaking with you. I know there's a lot more we can we can uh, we could we could uh, take a look at here. And um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to see where Mojo for the Modern Man goes. And as uh, am I, I. Be tuning in. <laughs> Thanks, man. 
This is Ken Mossman, your host at Mojo for the Modern Man. Thank you again so much for joining me and Christopher Veal for this, the second half of our conversation. And if you haven't listened to the first half, uh, go back and listen to it. It's some very, very good stuff. And as a reminder, uh, look up uh, Christopher's TED Talk when you have a few minutes and visit him on his websites, uh, Datitude, D-A-D-I-T-U-D-E, DatitudeCoach.com, and his podcast website, Vulnerable-Man, V-U-L-N-E-R-A-B-L-E-Man.com, and uh, give a listen to Christopher's The Vulnerable Man podcast. And uh, if you haven't yet, uh, please do an invitation, as ever, an invitation to subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man, and of course to visit me on my website, see what I've got cooking, uh, upcoming programs, etc. And you can do that at Cirrus Leadership, C-I-R-R-U-S, leadership, all one word, CirrusLeadership.com. There's a contact form there. You can reach out to me that way as well. And I look forward to being with you again soon, next week, on Mojo for the Modern Man. Make it a great day. Be healthy. Be well. Take care.